This is John DeFlaminis. I'm a director in the Penn Center for Educational Leadership, and I run the Distributed Leadership Project. You're listening to Episode 5 of the Point of Learning Podcast. Let's check it out. On today's show, a quick trip through some ideas about writing that I want to live forever. A companion to last month's crowdsourced theme, the idea about writing you most want to die, that I discussed with that brilliant panel of educators studying at the Middlebury Breadloaf School of English. That was episode four. Afterwards, several people asked if I would be willing to highlight some ideas I have found most useful as a teacher of writing for two decades who continues to work with teachers of writing as part of my consulting work in school. Because I'm a glutton for feedback, here goes. Point of Learning, as you know, is a show about what and how and why we learn. So I'm excited to spend a few minutes with you today sharing some ideas about writing that I would like to live forever. Before we get started, a note on today's condensed format. There's a full-length episode in the works that I think you're going to love, but a couple listeners have suggested that a 10-minute edition every so often wouldn't be a bad idea, especially for folks who haven't yet figured out how to fit a longer podcast into their daily routine. And now some of my fave ideas about writing and the teaching of writing. Number one, start with student voice. Ask students what they think is what I mean by that. Students have expertise in how they learn, but schools too rarely seek it out. The first quarter of the year especially is a good time for teachers to learn what students like to do. What was their favorite assignment ever? What goals do they have for their own writing? Obviously, teachers also need to feel free to suggest some appropriate goals because we also have some expertise in learning. Let's just remember that we're in this together. For example, when I was a high school English teacher, the best regular feedback I got on many aspects of my teaching was from my students. I regularly solicited my kids' opinions on what we studied how it was presented, and what could be improved. Every marking period or so, a 3x5 index card went out to each student, asking for anonymous responses to three questions. They were always the same, actually. For 18 years, they were always the same. Number one, what works about this class, I mean. Two, what doesn't work? Three, comments and suggestions. Depending on the class and the point in the year, I might only have time to read and reflect on the feedback myself. But sometimes, when students' comments were particularly detailed or diverse, I compiled and distributed responses for full class discussion. Exercises like this not only provide specific, actionable, useful student data for you as a responsive instructor, but also, and I would argue equally importantly, such exercises reinforce the student-teacher relationship that is essential for many students to feel confident enough to really push themselves. Number two, develop some assignments based on the ideas, uh, based on the kinds of writing that you yourself learned the most from. 
and don't forget the kinds of writing that you enjoyed the most. Now, obviously, you want to modify and tailor assignments so they present a healthy but attainable challenge for your kids. Uh, when I was a student and in high school and, and college and grad school, I know that I found excuses to do uh, pastiche compositions uh, where you imitate the style of a given author or specific work but give, thing, uh, give things your own twist. So it's kind of like you get to play dress-up as a writer. It's still you underneath, but you are disguised as Virginia Woolf. And who's afraid of her, people? When I was teaching the short stories of Franz Kafka, especially the short, short stories, I loved reading what kids wrote to demonstrate their understanding of elements of his nightmarish and bizarre storytelling. Often this small creative constraint yields big surprises in what writers produce. Three, this is more conceptual. The artist and the editor. I either straight up stole this idea from Anne Lamott, whose wonderful instruction book on writing and life is called Bird by Bird, or I developed it after reading her. The idea is that one of the reasons writing poses such challenges is that it comprises two sets of skills that overlap a little, but really have different personalities. The artist is the part of you that is all about the generation of ideas and possibilities and imagination, the stuff of what you want to go in there. The editor, on the other hand, manages issues like structure and sequence and details like punctuation and usage and spelling. This is an oversimplification, but I think the two roles can help kids to focus on one part at a time. In general, unleash the artist first. Give kids 20 minutes to free write on the subject at hand. When they get good at this, and depending on the student's confidence, this part can happen at home. But I liked to practice together with students and see what we came up with. Set a timer for 20 minutes, and then permit no interruptions. Here's a place where phones and email, for example, will not just interrupt the process, but actually cost valuable minutes to mentally reset. So don't permit them. The key during this time is to not judge yourself. That's the editor coming in with some concerns about what's logical or how long it is. These may be important, but not yet. This free write artist part is about saying yes and always writing your thoughts down. If it occurs to you, write it down. If you write it down or type it out and later your editor doesn't like it, it's easy to get rid of. But if you're busy judging an idea as, quote, no good, unquote, at the same time that you're trying to generate other ones, you're thinking in two directions at once, effectively wasting creative energy while that bad idea, again, it's a judgment, creates static in your head. My father used to believe that writer's block comes from too many ideas, not too few. And I think a lot of times that's true. Okay, so then at the end of your 20 minutes or 30 or whatever, when you've got some thoughts together, then you let the editor in. Again, metaphorical, conceptual editor, that part of yourself doing that to help you consider what makes the most sense, what you should cut, what you should start with, what comes next, how to spell it like that. 
Describing these different functions differently through these different personalities of artist and editor can help young writers keep them straight and think increasingly precisely about where they might be getting hung up. Number four, alternatives to the five paragraph essay by popular request. The five paragraph essay got slammed pretty hard in last month's show and more than a few listeners noticed. So just to reiterate our theme, it's not that the five paragraph essay shouldn't be a tool in your kid's toolbox. It's just that it shouldn't be the only tool. So, especially for juniors and seniors, if you want them to understand, for example, what great essays can do, make sure you're asking them to read examples of great essays. Give them some Mark Twain or Adrian Rich or Michael Pollan or Susan Laurie Parks or Jack hit. But then ask for a really concise response. Ask for a 300 word response to a single aspect of the model essay. The, and the point is to make every word count. So this short reaction paper should focus on one single idea that they found most compelling because they loved it or hated it or didn't understand it or it prompted some new idea or question of theirs especially in the fall, as you're still getting to know your students. This can be a great way to learn more quickly. You can get into longer papers later, but this is a very fast way to assess where kids' strengths and challenges lie. And until you can do a short paper well, I don't want to see a longer one. Now, another strong option for any grade level is a contract poem based on a model. So read some sonnets, discuss the form, and let then let everybody try to write one. The contract part is that you agree to write one too, as the teacher, and then everyone can share. Or select any poem you like by Marie Howe, or Mark Doty, or Lucille Clifton, or Mary Oliver, or whoever you just encountered in that magazine you were checking out last week. Read it aloud a couple times, you first, and then identify some salient aspects of that poem together with your students. And then you all agree to write something according to the rules you agree on together. For more good poem ideas, check out episode number three with Paula Roy. Number five. Here are some goal-based questions that I found helpful to ask myself for designing good writing challenges for my students. Of course, many times I would not know the answers to these questions until I'd read their work, but I would ask, um, as I was designing an assignment, have I challenged kids to think critically and creatively? Will they produce something that I, as the teacher, will learn something from. So obviously this isn't just like learning content, you know, knowledge uh, about a subject that they might be writing about, but also includes, you know, my learning about how they reason about the world, about who they see themselves to be, like that. Um, third question I would ask myself, is this something that I will enjoy reading entire class sets of? And man, I learned this the hard way. Um, there's a tragic story about an assignment I gave on the subject of Oedipus where I asked kids to pick what they make an argument for what they thought was the most important scene of the play and how the play would be changed if it wasn't there. And it it was it was I I bored myself to tears with and it was my fault. You know, the kids did what they it was a boring assignment. 
Anyhow, uh, the fourth question I would like to ask is what I'm asking them to write. Does it make it virtually impossible or at least too much of a hassle for them to plagiarize? In other words, have I baked into the assignment enough of their own voice and their own ideas that, you know, they just they can't get it from somewhere else? Number six, some thoughts on grading. This came up a little bit, uh, and I would just like to recommend, if you're wondering about an idea, it is possible to grade on individual prod progress rather than you know fixed notions of what a good paper is that you're trying to apply equally to confident writers and those who are s struggling with language. For some detailed ideas um, we don't have space for now, check out Linda Christensen's fabulous book, Teaching for Joy and Justice. You'll be glad you did. Um, but some things we can say here. You know, when grading, no five-page rubrics, please. Like, don't try to look for everything at once. Those, you know, stuff like that makes you crazy and make kids hate you. Instead, pick a few areas of focus. You know, so for example, if you're asking them to practice narrative writing, how about just like the middle of the story and not worry about how to begin a story or how to end a story? If you're just asking them to practice narrative, you know, for a little bit, why not just a chunk of it? Uh, you know, especially if they're just beginning. Um, one of my favorite college essay questions um, from, you know, a while ago uh, was a question that said, you know, you've just finished your 400 page autobiography. Tell us what's on page 317. An assignment like that is really cool and bounded, and you can decide what you're looking for. The other thing you can do with that is to ask for a writer's reflection, where you're asking them to say to you, and this is just an informal paragraph that, that you turn in with the, along, especially a longer assignment, saying, here's what I was trying to do, here's what I was going for, you know, here's where I struggled and here's what I'd like you to read for. You know, please read for this. This is great if they're working on something. You know, I tried to make this better. We talked about this last time. And especially if a kid is sharing their own extracurricular writing with you, you know, personal you know, poems or, uh, you know, writing that they're doing, be sure you ask uh, for what kind of feedback they're looking for. Because um, you definitely don't want to start reading for grammar, you know, for example, if they're just asking you to check out content. Um, and finally, I wish I didn't have to mention this, I wish the world were different in some ways, but often when I work with teachers, they raise the very realistic concern. Look, what about, these are some nice ideas, but what about the test? You know, I'm responsible for this test and pick your state, and that's the test that goes along with it if you're in public school. I don't have the space or adequate blood pressure medication to rail with sufficient detail or fervor against the testering industrial complex that continues to regard teachers as curriculum delivery technicians to students who, in one district I worked in recently, literally spend more time being tested than learning. Uh, for, my taste, for a taste of my ideas on the data science of behind this subject, refer to the post called High stakes tests will always backfire on the show page. In one sentence uh, related to writing, my advice to teachers is that if we figure out how to teach students the value of strong writing and design assignments interesting enough for them to enjoy practicing writing, 
they will be able to write well anywhere, even an absurd standardized assessment. On that happy note, that's it for today's Writer's Digest edition of Point of Learning. Thank you so much for checking it out. If you like what you hear, subscribe through iTunes and the Point of Learning YouTube channel. Please spread the word about this show to anyone interested in what and how and why we learn. I'll be back next month with Maureen Masaries talking about counseling, parenting, and the social-emotional development of teens. You're not going to want to miss it. Yeah, so much for 10 minutes. Who needs a timer now?